0: everyone, and welcome to another episode of Credit Union's Coffee and Conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. i um, really excited. I know I say this about all of my guests, but hey, I just pick the great people to talk to, so it's another awesome episode. This one is really heavy at times, I, I will say. It's, it's not an easy listen to some extent because it really goes to deep places with my very very special guest, um, Shelly Mitchell. Um, Shelly heads up Sapphire Dimensions, and she is in the credit union industry, as she will share with you. And I've gotten to know her through a mentoring program that Shelly kickstarted and facilitated and I brought it to Michigan for some of our uh, Michigan people to take part in. And it's a great program that pairs um, up and coming African-American women with um, white credit union professional women and um, gets them together. And and you'll hear more about the program. You'll also hear about Shelly, her experience navigating her career and her life as an African-American woman and and she really goes there with us and i thank her from the bottom of my heart for really opening up and um saying some things that are hard to hear and it's just um it's it's a tough world out there and and i really um give shelly a lot of credit for for bringing us along in her journey and and sharing her story so please enjoy my discussion with shelly thank you so much for opening up and listening to the podcast Hi, Shelly. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Patty. It's <laughs> my pleasure to be here.
1: I'm tickled. <laughs>
0: So great to see you! I, you know, I love it when we can record podcasts in person. But sometimes people are just not in Michigan, so it just, you know, thank goodness for Zoom. At least it allows us to see each other while we talk. But I'm really excited that you're joining um, the podcast because I think um, folks listening are really going to enjoy meeting you and and talking through some of the exciting things that you have going on. So I'm gonna kick it off like I do all of my podcasts, Shelley and just ask you um, to tell us your
1: story. Wow, my story. Um, my story is that I am the statistic. I am a single mom, African American, two sons. One is 23, one is 20. I um, have not wanted to be the statistic and only recently have I realized that I am. And um, But I'm also very much a typical mom where I dote on my sons. I've given my life for them to make sure that they have the best in what I perceive to be the best. I'm a proponent of education. Uh one, they're both going back to campus this year. Hooray for me. One is going to Morehouse. <laughs> <Yeah. Nice. laughs> one is one is going to Morehouse. One is going um to Tennessee State University, both HBCUs. And about me, um, because my sons have been so, um, they have been my life for so long. I've come to know me. I am an author. I've published two books. Um, I have another in the, in the works. Ooh. I love to write. Um, I realize that I am a woman who just loves to dream. I'm an idealist. And I've had to accept these things about myself. I've always seen the world. Um, One of my favorite words in high school history class was utopia. And uh, we studied Winston Churchill and propagandists. And I always loved the word utopia because it seemed to be a world where malice and just void you know and hate and it seemed to be a sense of um camaraderie and friendship and perfection and I've always held that word in my heart since high school and now knowing that um I just call myself an idealist now and that seems to be the more rational (laughs) side of it but I um I'm a woman trying to really navigate in this social climate where I worry about my sons, but I've come to realize that as a woman I too solely have a purpose. And so I wake up not just for my sons, but for that purpose and to avoid saying that I'm the statistic because my life is more than a percentage. I'm here for a reason. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, Shelly, let's,
0: Thanks for sharing that. It's exciting to have. I can't relate. I have one daughter, so to have two boys is an experience I don't have. But um, uh, some of my close friends have boys, and um, it's it's a different dynamic for sure. And mm-hmm. and we'll get into you know, uh, the fear that you alluded to, cause I, I do want to talk about that, but I guess just to somewhat connect the dots, cause our podcast is credit unions, coffee and conversation. We came to know one another through the credit union industry, mm-hmm. um, which is near and dear to my heart, as you know. Um, so just to kind of flush that out, um, we have, I'm trying to think, I think we met about a year ago. Um, mm-hmm. and that was when I was, um uh, luckily, um, invited to take part in a, uh, Tracy Kenyon reached out to me, um, the president and CEO of the, uh, Montana Credit Union League, um, reached out to me to be a part of a one-to-one mentoring program, woman-to-woman program, and, um, you know, I, uh, Obviously, like a lot of people who are probably invited to be a part of that, I wasn't sure what it was. And she did a great job explaining it. But but you were the, the facilitator. This was your baby. This was um, mm-hmm. your show so to speak to run and um, facilitate for us and i went through that whole program um, and and then we just recently concluded um, a cohort or the program you ran it for us here in michigan and uh, uh thrilled about that but i'd love for you to talk shelly and, and tell our listeners because you d- will do a much better job of explaining it than i will of, of what that is what the one-to-one the woman to woman program or group or sessions are, and, and, you know, um, and we can kind of go from there.
1: The one-to-one woman uh, mentoring program, it is a program formed to discuss the racial divide, the, and to create a bridge. And it came about as a result of the pandemic, George Floyd and then the insurrection. My heart was finally broken at the insurrection. I mean, just really shattered. And I thought, um, what can I do? What there has to be uh, something that can be done. And so I relied on my education and my study through the master's program. Um, And I'll just, I'll skip that for now, but I've studied master's program for organizational communications and did a lot of research on African-American women and women and so I relied on my education and my my love for a a utopia you know that I that idealist and I thought what there has to be a way for people to come together and just find a commonality And so, because I studied about women, I said, I'll start with women, that's what I know. And it is one-to-one woman, we come together to address gender bias and what is it like to be a woman and wanting to excel in the workforce, but also the racial barriers that African-American women endure because it's not just solely about being a woman, now we have the barrier of being an African-American and those pressures and those suppressions. And so the one-to-one woman program pairs Caucasian executive level women with rising African-American women for the executive women to share all of the hardships that they've endured and their climb and their um, success to the level that they have achieved. And for African-American rising professionals, for them to mentor to them, mentor to them, so that they can rise, but for African-American professionals to also share with the executives the hardships that they also endure. And by that, we find a commonality that we're not so different, but Mm -hmm. there is something that connects us to, and not just the the bad things, because we're not there to mail bash, we're not there to be bitter and, you know, to throw hate on, on either side. But to really just discuss our stories, again, I can't say it enough, the commonality, because then we realize, oh, I can talk to you. Right. I see you. I see you. And it really just breaks down that those systemic barriers that keep us divided and um, bitter and belittled from one another and to see that, yeah, Patty, you actually went through that too. I I can relate to that. And what you can't relate to as in for me being an African-American, certainly it does through conversation. I hope that it would share a level of empathy for you to be aware of what the rise of the African-American woman also endures. So one-to-one woman, the one-to-one woman mentoring program is really for us to come together and create a bridge to break the the divides between us. Yeah, and it's
0: I mean, and and just to kind of flush out the mechanics of it, you did such a great job of explaining the why and and when I took part in the program through um the through Tracy through the Montana League and the in the cohort that she put together, um You know, I was paired with uh, Christina Hendricks um, at schools first, you know, she's a branch manager in California that I would have never met, just certainly because of mainly um, geography. Um, But um, also, you know, a, a branch manager who is, um, you know, a, a rising, you know, African-American woman, just like you described, and and it was such a rewarding experience to break off with her from the group and have our one-on-one discussions and really dig down into um, what her experience has been like, and certainly mm-hmm. the commonality, the similarities we have, um, there were a lot, and um also just the the differences and um you know i know you um you had us read the book the memo and um i've talked about that since um Mm -hmm. to various groups because i just love that book but you know one one thing stuck out for me in my conversation with christina and that is part of the book is you know um the the author's experience um on social events you know Mm -hmm. on uh, her experience at work, she just wanted to get in, do her job and go, you know, like mm-hmm. this is work. I'm just going to put my head down, do my best and do a great job and then leave. I have no interest in socializing with people mm-hmm. at work. It's hard for me. It was a mainly white environment that she was in and it was just something that. Um, She wasn't comfortable with and, and she had somebody tell her, you know, listen, if you want to make it, you know, you have to get to know people on a personal level. You have to Mm -hmm. sit around and hang around at night, have a glass of wine, go to these social events. That's how people get to know you. And that makes a difference when they're promoting or hiring and things like that. And, and it was hard for the author to do that. Um, and in talking to Christina, that was also her experience. Mm -hmm. And, um, she that really resonated with her. And as somebody like myself who goes to a ton of events, you know, we put on a lot of events. I'm always at a conference, you know, most people listening are all, you know, in our credit union Mm -hmm. world, there's lots of conferences, lots of events. And I never thought about, um, the experience of somebody that, um, is certainly in the group, you know, a minority, um, and, and having those thoughts of it being a hard thing for them to be a part of, you know, a lot of people have social anxiety, aren't good at that, don't like doing those things, but her experience was very unique, and I think it's unique to, um, just the years and years of, of, of working hurdles and issues and, Mm -hmm. um, microaggressions and everything else that build that all together. And it just Mm -hmm. creates this kind of perfect storm, but it made me, you know, really think about that. And so the next time I see somebody kind of hesitant to enter a room or standing by themselves or, um, you know, singled out in some way, or even if it's a group of, of women, you know, that do kind of huddle together. Because um, mm-hmm. I think we see that happening sometimes in the workplace. Yeah. You see yeah. A lot of Black people, African American people hanging out together and white people over here. And it just kind of happens. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm gonna try and, and go talk to that group. And, yeah. and, and, and it just gives you a whole new perspective. And I think that, um, and certainly for me with my Um, you know, mentee, I say that in quotes, because as I said before, I think I learned so much more from her. Um, it it really gave me a new credit union industry friend, and it mm-hmm. gave me a woman that I feel like I am comfortable asking questions and being vulnerable with, and you know, talking to her. And um, you know, I just can't say enough about that. And I know mm-hmm. in the program you ran for us ran for us here in Michigan, the same thing. I've heard great things from both the mentees and the mentors. Um, so I think it's great that you're doing that, Shelly. I think it's a really unique. Um, program, I think some people might look at it like, wait a minute, what, you know, white women, <laughs> African American. This is like, okay, if you're just putting it all out there, <laughs> it's like, no, that, that that's the formula, you know, either, you know, that's the formula. That's what this is. There's other groups yeah. that, are different that don't do that. And you can yeah. be part of those too, but yeah. this is the way this one's run and there's reasons for it.
1: Yeah. And,
0: um, yeah, I think it was great. And so what sort of success have you seen? I mean, just in the follow up from the mentors and mentees, I know you do surveys after, but what do you think? I mean, do you think both groups, both the mentors and the mentees are coming away, you know,
1: mm. better somehow or changed or, or what do you think is, is it going to have an impact? So that is very interesting. First, let me go back to the relationships that you mentioned. Um, this is a relationship that's happening between you and I. I've said that I've said it to you uh, individually, personally, and I think I've said it to a group. Um, If I haven't, I looked at you from afar. I was so proud when a woman was um, now CEO of the Michigan credit union league. And I thought Patty Corkery, like, Oh my, like confetti out the sky. Right. (laughs) And I would have never, you you could have never told me that i would be receiving an email from you saying hey friend mm-hmm. that it to me that is that is the essence of this program you know and to learn things um, about your daughter and about your about your life and not to share on this podcast that i've delved into each other's personal lives but you have come from being a woman and a caucasian woman from afar to actually be in a person that I'm endeared to. And so um, I'd like to, I'd like to say that first of all, and then specifically to your question for the mentees, I would say I don't have it in um, statistics, but from talking to the mentees, from the program with four cohorts completed so far, I know a minimum of seven mentees who have received promotions within the year's time frame. That's awesome. And <clears throat> I humbly say that I don't attribute that solely to one-to-one woman, but I but the mentees that I've spoken to say that they do credit their mentors for whatever <laughs> level of advice that they gave them. Yeah. Um, you know, whether they were on the cusp of the promotion or they were trying to decide about the promotion, their relationship and their connection with the mentor certainly was a plus in their advancement. And I know mentees who are still singing praises for the relationship that they have with their mentors. And for the mentors, you're correct too because they walk away with something that is more um, qualitative not quantitative it can't be measured because it's something that changes in their soul and in their perceptions of life and people that they are completely um, engaged in these young ladies lives they're extending it the program is a total of six weeks but they're extending these programs as you mentioned with Christiana that these are going on for extended period of time like Right. These are friendships now. These are yeah. relationships. And so those types of things you can't measure, but but um, by statistics for qualitative, the mentors, something changes in their perceptions. And for quantitative, the mentees, um, I know at least seven, have received promotions um, yeah. s- since being engaged in this program.
0: That's so good.
1: That's so great, mm-hmm. and
0: and and that's something like you said that's kind of measurable. But a lot of I think the benefit of the program to both sides of the relationship is immeasurable, right? You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have things that it's impossible to to measure, but that is for sure there and is a positive. So, where do you see the program going? What's your what's your hope for it in the next you know uh, five years?
1: What do you, what do you see? Uh, do you really want to know my big dream? Yeah. Do you really want to know my big dream? Okay. My big dream is for this program. For So right now, I currently host, um, sponsor at least one cohort a month. I would love to be able to sponsor two cohorts running simultaneously a month. From there, I'd love for the program to extend to HBCUs where mentors are mentoring young, um, um, senior women in college, either junior or senior level so that they're prepared to come out into the workforce, that they know what to look for, that they have not just a lot of, um, African-Americans when they graduate from college, they look for jobs, but I'm hoping that they can come out into the career and what better career than the credit union industry, right? People helping people. And the way the credit union industry is evolving, there is potential and there is room and there's platform and there's also um, social and economic success for um, women when they come out into the workforce. So I would love for the program to extend into mentoring um, young ladies in their junior or senior years so that they can come out with a career in the industry. Yeah. And um You know, speaking, I I love speaking engagements to write, to be able to have the opportunity to contribute to articles. And really just my ultimate goal is for the rising African-American female to not wait till she's nearly 60 years old to realize her contribution and her value to the workforce and for there to be a sincere effort and action to act on the pay wage gap and that this can be some type of um, fracture in the system so that we can address those things in the credit union industry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's I think that is such a great there's so many good reasons to get excited about your, your future for that, because especially the component of, of reaching out to young women in high school, because mm-hmm. as we all know credit unions, you know, are not immune to the staffing shortage and the issues that, um, you know, all employers are facing when it comes to finding Candidates and finding people. And you hear more mm-hmm. and more industries recruiting people out of high school.
1: So, yeah. what better
0: way to engage and, and educate young women on what our industry is? Um, in addition to that, right, have, a, have that as a perk, but another benefit, hopefully, being even if they turn out to not go into the credit union space, they're still being paired with uh, yeah. a woman professional. That can help guide them, and you know they can learn from one another, just like in any other mentor mentee. So I I think that would be really cool, Shelly, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of people will be really excited about that. Um,
1: so that's a great um a great future. And system. let me let me say um, not just high school but college. College. If I didn't make that, or yeah. Oh, if okay. I didn't say college, I meant I meant college. But I I do I did speak with someone about. The program for high school, going into high school, because sometimes college isn't for everyone. Right. And so, if there is a career that they can come into in the credit union industry, but specifically just now, and I was referring to college okay. because young ladies are graduating from college, you know, with student loan debt and oh, sure. and or no student loan debt, and they they need to find jobs. But what better career opportunity than to? graduate and have a solid career in this industry with so many um positions available that you know there's yeah. a, a myriad of positions that someone can pursue in the credit yeah. unions.
0: Mm-hmm. So you've said a couple times
1: HBCU what is that? Historically black colleges and universities. Okay. Okay. Yes.
0: I hear CU and I think credit union and I'm like, yeah. HBCU, HBCU. yes, yeah, sorry, okay. HBCU,
1: Historically it. Black College and University.
0: Okay, got it. I got it. <laughs> um, all right, thank you, So how did you stumble into this credit union industry, Shelley? What's your credit union story?
1: <laughs> I stumbled, exa- exactly, I stumbled into the credit union industry. Uh, my mom was a member of a credit union, but I didn't know that it was what it is. Yeah. And I was working temp. Uh, a temp assignment and I was placed at CUNA Credit Union National Association in DC because I'm here in the DC area and um, I was placed at a temp assignment for a week in the uh, legislative affairs department and I was they were putting together a conference and so they needed someone with um, conference and meeting background and because I used to work in the hotel industry I fit you know I fit the um, criteria And I was there for a week and the lady that I reported to, she was like, you have to work here. And I was there for a week and two weeks later, I was there full time. So I worked there from 2008 to 2016 as the executive assistant in legislative affairs department. And it changed over um, through the change of CEOs. But yeah, and that was when it settled in me. (laughs) <laughs> oh, wow. Very I know
0: so many people have that story where like, I started as an intern and 20 years later I left or 40 yeah. years later. I yeah. It's yeah. Crazy. Um, that's really cool. And so yeah. I know, you know, just in networking with you and getting to know you more and being at the CUNA GC and there you were at the Herb Wagner mm-hmm. dinner. And um, yeah, so it's, it's great to have um, for me, you know, a new friend in the credit union space. Mm-hmm. And I've just been starting to get to know people nationally and I'm so glad that you're now included in that group and I think I have Tracy Kenyon to thank for that so oh, yes shout out to Tracy um, yes <laughs> you have some you know the cohort that I participated in initially you had some you know major women players you know in the in the industry and I think it's mm-hmm. um so cool and then in our Michigan cohort you know we had a lot of um mover and shaker women in our industry here Mm -hmm. in Michigan I think it's nice that you keep it and one thing we haven't talked about is the size you kind of keep it 10 and 10 you know just to you know is that kind of a magic number or how do you how do you figure 10 and 10
1: uh okay so truthfully when I when I presented this I presented it to Renee Satterwhite at AACUC right and um, presented it to her and she said, yeah, that's great. Let's go for it. And I said, well, we can start with about four or five people. She was like, four or five people? That's too small. This, this is bigger <laughs> than that. We need at least 10. Right. And so that's how the pilot started with 10. Yeah. And um, since then, I have maintained it at 10 and 10 because I think it's more personal, even though we're, we come together short periods of time I don't want it to be so broad that I lose manage of it right but also when we come together we still can see each other and connect with one another in this virtual platform and so I just I love the intimacy of 10 and 10 it's not just intimate but it's it's manageable and there gives us opportunity where when we come together that we can still hopefully remember someone's name yeah or remember who participated
0: yeah yeah absolutely and it's kind of nice because when you have a group of 20 at least you feel like you can chime in and there's Mm -hmm. enough time for everybody to chime in where you know Mm -hmm. we've all been on those zoom calls where there's so many people so what and and just to kind of switch gears a little bit I mean just whether it be in your experience Shelly if you're if you're wanting to share or just in some Um, African-American women that you've met and befriended and and talked to along the way, what are some challenges that what are you what have you experienced or what are you learning or witnessing through your career that are some unique challenges to African-American women in the workplace?
1: Well, um, when I speak, I try not to say as a whole, this is what we all face, right? And so through the um, one to one woman mentoring program, I always say mentees, please, um, or rising professionals, please correct me if this doesn't apply to you, because I don't want to assume. However, what we do, what we have always agreed on is the exhaustion of it, having to explain where we feel biased, having to explain where we feel isolated and overlooked And it simply becomes exhausting to keep having to validate yourself. And um, the challenge of trying to assimilate, you know, um, not only about our hair, but how we speak because how we speak in in our dialect, we have to control that so that we don't sound too Black uh, because then people will say, well, I don't understand or we're not seen as being of angry or defensive, and when you're always trying to put on these different uniforms, yeah, you know these certain um, kind of weapons or um, I can't even think of what the name is. Like these protective gears. Mm-hmm. It gets to be exhausting to weigh it on. Like, okay, armor. Like, don't armor. yeah, armor. Don't mm-hmm. don't talk this way. You know, remember when you talk to them, speak this way. Okay, assimilate. Well, how is your hair today? You know, um, if something irritates you, don't don't respond. You know, think about how. And it's all it's it's constant. It's ad nauseum. And you have these things where when you are invited to the room, maybe you're invited and you're still overlooked or you're not taken seriously. Um, And people may, may um, belittle your contribution over you, And sometimes when you bring, bring that to acknowledgement, you want to be acknowledged or to bring it to someone's attention, then you're seen as being defensive. So now you have to fight that battle. And so these are all, um, you know, these are all um, like um, seemingly minor prejudices that people don't recognize. But when we talk to another African-American or and or an African-American woman, it's something that we relate with all the time, but it becomes exhausting trying to explain it to a Caucasian supervisor or director of someone because it's nothing that can be explained because there are these little prejudices and pestilences that have become normalcies to the to the majority of the society or what appears to be the majority of the society and um, sometimes we just fall back because it just gets to be exhausting and we and we don't contribute to our full measure to our full our full capacity and um yeah yeah that's that's a lot
0: that's a lot and so does it it sounds like you know i hate to take what you said and and summarize it, but it sounds like when i hear what you're saying it's like you can't show up as yourself it's like you have to be somebody different to 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 feel like you're accepted or can be taken seriously it's like you can't you can't look yourself and it's almost like you said you you leave for work and you put on a different
1: yeah we assimilate yeah yeah and there i'm sorry go ahead no and i part
0: of what you said also made me think of you know some things that i've read about you know just credit unions getting in, you know, more and more, you know, you mentioned George Floyd and that kind of triggered for you, wanting to take some action. And I've certainly seen that with a lot of our credit unions too, um, wanting to take some more action, you know, with inclusion and and educating themselves. Um, but I've read some books and and I, I never thought about it, but it's like, speaking of the exhaustion that African-American people like yourself, you know, just alluded to in the everyday, and now add to that the exhaustion of, okay, um, we're going to look to you to help us solve this DEI problem, because, you know, we need to hire, you know, um, African American speakers, or, you know, to come in and, and solve the problem, help us solve it. And I can, I've read, you know, from, from folks that just say that's, it's, it's, this is your problem, white people, you know, this is something, you know, this isn't on me to fix. And, and so, and then at the same time, so then it's like, I get that. So it's like, okay, we're going to have a DEI event. We'd really like to hear from, you know, somebody that has experienced this or can really say it the right way or whatever. But if we hire or, you know, invite a white speaker to talk us through some DEI issues, it just seems disingenuous, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like, I don't know, it, it's it's a complicated area. And, um, you know, we've we've tried to work through that ourselves and work through that with folks. But I think, you know, really what it comes down to, Shelly, is, is that honest discussion with people, kind of like mm-hmm. what you're setting up with your program. If you feel that as a, a white leader, I think you just be honest about that and talk Mm -hmm. about it, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and listen. And I think, you know, like when I had started off as as a mentor with um, Christiana, I I said the same thing to Chris. I said, you know, I feel like I, you know, I don't want to like talk to you about my experience and go through all my things because I know your experience has been different. So who am I to really help you when we've been so different. And I, and I just, I felt that way before our first call. And I just decided, you know, and actually my daughter said, mom, just tell her that that's how you feel and, Mm -hmm. and let her know those are your concerns or your nervousness or your hesitancy and, and talk that through with her. And it made such a difference. Not only did it help her or help our relationship for her to know that I was going to be vulnerable with her. I was going to be honest about mm-hmm. what was going through my head and and just to talk some of those things through. And and I know there's a lot of books and it's difficult conversations because mm-hmm. they are, you know, they they're are. not easy for either side. Um it's awkward, it's complicated, and it's scary. I think everybody's afraid they're gonna say the wrong thing. Um but it it. All of those things are true, but I I think we've all, at least most of us, have come to realize we need to push forward and keep having them, right? We can't just, you know, not participate as a mentor in a program because it's going to be awkward, you know, when you're Mm -hmm. staring screen to screen with a young up-and-coming African-American woman who you don't feel off the bat that maybe you're going to say the right things and everything else. You just push Mm -hmm. through it anyway. And I think um, if, if you come to it from a genuine place of really trying to listen, um, I just think there's so many good things that can come from those discussions, the hard discussions, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's, you hit on a couple of things that really is just coming in being from a genuine place and coming in vulnerable and coming in knowing that. Um, society has made you the pinnacle, right? And it's 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 only true because that's what society says. It's not right. necessarily the truth. It's right. true right. because of how it's been established. But, um, you know, we're not going to... When you talk about race and the complexities and the history behind it, it's painful. It's painful. And there's so much history so much history behind us and there's so many things in our society today that just keeps reminding us that this is a very difficult subject it's a very difficult way of living and it's a very difficult truth but the one thing about love is it allows you to be vulnerable And when you're willing to really love yourself and love society and love your neighbor, it exposes you and puts you in a place of transparency, it puts you in a place of being weak. But hopefully, because of now go back to the one to one woman program, the people who show up, which is why I always thank them are the people who want to make a change. If they don't show up, they don't want to make a change. They're Mm -hmm. not ready and so it's not to pressure anybody if they say i can't do it or this is not a good time that might be them saying it's not a good time for me it's not yeah. not a good time for their schedule it's right. not a good time for me to face these issues and that's why every woman who shows up is courageous because we're both putting ourselves in the hands of the other woman you yeah. know and but we have to we have to remember that I'm not offended. I'm not mad at you, Patty, because you haven't done anything to me. But I am angry because history and society is, you know, um, circling around me with a certain a certain level of deprivation and subjugation that, even though you're not always exposed to or you have to experience, you're, you're certainly, I, I accept you because you're willing to hear me. Yeah. And yeah. so not just talking about it, so now what can we do? What What can we do because now that you know, it's not okay to be silent, right? Are you going to be my advocate? Are you going to be the advocate? And it. And it hurts because now that you're the advocate, and you may speak up for another African-American woman, you may be standing with someone else who may not be of the same position as you. And so now how does that affect you? How do they look at you? But it comes with it comes with a price, it comes with vulner- vulnerability, it comes with a, a, a whole level of courage that we don't yet realize what we're setting ourselves up for. Yeah, yeah.
0: I agree and one thing I did want to go back to and then um, I also want to touch on the books because I'm curious what you're writing and and I want to make sure folks and I don't think I know the two other books you've written so I want to get to that but um, one more I mean heavy topic um, I did want to I didn't want to not get back to this but you know you mentioned you have two sons and one thing that was resonating with me I was in a group chat with some of my girlfriends this morning that still have school-age children in light of what the Mm. tragedy in uh texas yesterday and my heart breaks for the parents who still have kids that go to school every day um with this insane amount of of school shootings um and then of course i I start to think about that and it leads me to think about you know the grocery store a couple weeks Mm -hmm. ago with um the african americans that were killed in a in a no question that it was a racist <laughs> um mm-hmm. murderous um rage. And then, you know, hearing about your two boys and 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 Shelly, your the fear for your children doesn't end when they leave school. You know, mm-hmm. you have your you've raised two black young men. And this is not the first time I've thought of this, of course. Um, shame on me if it is, but my my heart breaks for the worry that parents must feel raising black boys mm-hmm. um you know i've heard this from different um people before you know like i tell my boys not to wear hoodies or not mm-hmm. to you know <laughs> just the yeah. crazy the crazy you know you hear about okay it's heartbreaking that we have to tell grade schoolers how to hide in a closet from a gunman but what about you know the education that that is made to young black boys when they're pulled over mm-hmm. um, when they encounter a police officer and the endless things that they need education on mm-hmm. and it's got to be so heavy and hard Shelly I can't I, I can't imagine how that is I I don't know if you want to comment on that or, or what you're you know if you have anything to say in response to that
1: um, I will say, yeah, you 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 can imagine, you yeah. know, the love a, a mother has for her child right. um, and for women and fathers who raise African-American sons. It is an extra life lesson yeah. when you go out in the street, you know, don't wear hoodies, um, you know, don't walk this way. I mean, there's so many when the, if, if a policeman pulls you over their rules, extra rules, sure. um, but you know what? What has, it is, um, it adds to the exhaustion of the yeah. African-American woman. And we've been living this because George Floyd was only televised and the pandemic gave the world the time to sit and really see what we live, we have lived for years. There were people who were shot um, regularly. I can't remember his name, like Eric. He was in the car and he was shot by a police officer. But there were regular shootings of African-American males. And um, we were frightened and we went to work and we swallowed it. And we had nobody to share that with, this anxiety. It's another level of, it's not just exhaustion. There's a level of anxiety for my child and um, we face that as mothers and we face that as fathers because we don't know where the, they're they're walking targets and we don't know who, and they're walking targets not just with <clears throat> physical but um, a, 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 kind of like a social castration, right? Um, African-American women in the workforce we have the lowest percentage of success in the workforce, even compared to an African-American male. We're the least likely to feel accepted from Latinos, Asian, Caucasian men, and African-American men in the workforce. But in society, our African-American young men are really facing a genocide and a castration. And it's, it's horrible. It's, it's a level of anxiety. It's a new level of stress and trauma sure. for the mother. Um, that's, those are the types of things that I can say without going too, um, too deep or too gross or, <clears throat> you know, creating statistics, but mm. it, it, it's in, it's in my community. It's with my sons. It's in my neighborhood. And, uh, I'm so thankful that they're, they're going away to school, that they have a goal. However, they still have to work hard. And even when you wake up and you think that you're doing the best for your child or your family, and someone decides, a child decides, that because of my culture, I'm not worthy of life, that he's going to drive 200 miles and take take me out because of my melanin. Mm -hmm. a child from Buffalo I'm referring to an 18 year old woke up drove over 200 miles and decided that African Americans were not worth being grandparents and parents, pastors mothers they weren't worth coming back home from the bread that they were going to buy yeah Um, and so where where did this child get this idea Mm -hmm. where did this child get the approval and the authority to make that decision who, who embedded that in his in his thoughts? Yeah, I know. So, you know, those are the, that that is the um and I've wrestled with my sons for years. They say, Mom, stop worrying. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> like the world is me. You don't know that's not gonna happen. <laughs> I know. Usually, and I think we all
0: I think in order to just get by, we have to tell ourselves that, like, it's not Mm going to happen at my school, or it's not going to happen to me when I'm in this grocery store. It's not, I mean, you, you know, at some point in order to make it through the day, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a tough, I mean... It's just so tough, these topics that we have to navigate, Shelly. Um, mm-hmm. So, let me get back to the books. So, you said you wrote mm-hmm. two books. So, mm-hmm. are those out and about where people can find them and write <laughs> <can find>
1: about? <laughs> yes, they are. <clears throat> One, is they're both fairly old right now, but I, I mentioned them because you said who is about me, and there were years where I would never tell anyone. So, I oh, would have okay. to find out along the way. Okay but uh one book is titled divine madness and it's the t- it's a realistic fiction book and it's the story of a woman who's determined to be who god says that she is and not who she sees in the mirror oh,
0: and it's, it's uh, divine madness did you say
1: divine divine, divine. madness. Okay. um and it's a realistic fiction and it's taken from my life and it's just um her overcoming many hardships in life. Um, I don't know if this, we can edit this out if it's not appropriate, but just, I'll just say many, many hardships in her life. And she ha- it has affected her esteem. It has affected her marriage, her children. And then suddenly there's an epiphany that she realizes, oh, there's more for me. I don't have to settle for this. And yeah. so it's her journey from um, battling with people and circumstances to really running towards something greater.
0: Okay, very cool. So, what's the other one? That sounds very intriguing.
1: Uh, consecrated, a woman's guide to virtuous, 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 liberated love. And it is just that it's a woman's guide to uh, really learning the power of her femininity. I have, from my divorce, I came to realize that there is um, power in just being beautiful and feminine. And, you know, I know women are very independent and sometimes um, aggressive, seen aggressive and not assertive. But in the book, it challenges. And I've had women ask me this too. They were like, what do you mean by? being docile or submit and I'm like no I'm not I'm not that type of woman I'm only suggesting that how you navigate your femininity is more powerful than how you enforce what you demand of a man Mm -hmm. because I can I can I've learned that I can get more from my love of my my nurturing and my my innate distinctiveness and being a woman than I can with trying to force someone to do what I want them to do. Yeah. I learned that through, unfortunately, I learned that after my divorce, but I've learned it through um, loving my sons and raising my sons as well. And, you know, talking with other women because all of my friends are married and, and seeing them. So it really is that. And it's just being beautiful, sensual, loving your body, looking at your body, I'm not going to compare my hips because I'm I'm thin. I'm not going to compare my hips to someone who has hips because I look good where I am. <laughs> so let me let me love my sensuality and let it be my let it be my essence, you know, but still not let it be to a point where I'm sexualized because I know who I am. I don't give you the permission to define who I am and to try and take from me. I yeah. decide.
0: Absolutely. Well, cool. Very interesting too. What about, what are you writing now? If you, uh, I don't know if you want to comment, but can you tell us what you're working on now?
1: It's the sequel to Divine Madness. So she has completed her journey and who is she now? What, what have you achieved now that we've seen you on this walk from life, death and destiny? What have you really achieved? It's, it shows and it proves what is, what is self-love, and now that you know what that is through all the mistakes and that you've healed, tell us your story. Yeah. So, oh, that sounds so yeah.
0: cool, Shelly. I'm, I'm going to yeah. check these out. All right. thank you. So let's wrap up with my five questions that I ask every guest. And, okay. Um, hopefully, you know, let us know what you think. Um, so I, I ask everyone, what is on your nightstand at
1: home? My iPad, which I listen to and do workout videos with.
0: I have a candle.
1: I have Mm -hmm. my current book that I'm reading. And I have a pen case because I love pens. And on the pen case, it says dream big. And that's what I have on my nightstand. What are you reading now? Giants. It's a book on Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. Ooh. (laughs) I'm going to have to
0: check that one out. Um, Okay. Um, What is something that people get wrong about you?
1: That I'm, uh, that I'm quiet or docile. Hmm. That I'm weak, that I'm weak.
0: Yeah. Oh, (laughs) well, you're going to prove them wrong pretty quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. If you could have coffee with anyone, who would it be and why? coffee or of wine you pick are they living or it can be anyone some people I... have said people that have passed or that are still with us harriet tubman Ooh, <laughs> man that movie about her was so phenomenal a few years back i i thought i knew her story but she was a yeah.
1: badass. <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> she is good she one. was right she's yeah she's you don't mess around with her that's uh that's a great one okay um tell us a bucket list travel destination
1: paris mm, I,
0: I've
1: n- I've, I have a passport and i've never been out of the country <laughs> never never well, hopefully your sequel book is a huge success and you can buy a first class
0: ticket to Paris. <laughs> That's my wish for you, Shelly. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so last, um, what is one trait or quality that you think every leader should strive for? Integrity. Integrity. Nice. Nice. Well, um, thank you so much, Shelly, for joining us and, and what an example of vulnerability um, you are for opening up and, and really going there um, with us. And I appreciate you um, being a, a strong woman, able to um, exude so much confidence and um, really deep understanding of of these issues, not only from your point of view, but from the white women that you bring into this group. Um, And I know you commented earlier about us, you know, me calling you a friend and I'm just so grateful that we met and that Mm -hmm. I I do count you as one of my good friends. And you reached out to me recently when my sweet puppy passed away and, and you actually picked up the phone and called me and that um, just meant so much to me. And you're just such a warm, smart, talented person. I'm super thrilled to, um, you know, um, talk you up. And, and I hope people listening, you know, if they wanna talk to you more about the one-to-one women and, and get to know you better, what's the best way to reach you, Shelley? How do they find you and find out more information on the program? Obviously anyone can email me, but is there, <laughs> I know, do you disclose the name of the company?
1: Yes, it's Sapphire Dimension, Sapphire, S A P P H I R E Dimension, D I M E N S I O N. And sapphiredimension.com is my website. And my email address is Sam, S A M, at sapphiredimension.com. So right. that's how you mm-hmm. connect me. Good. Well,
0: all right, Shelly, let me know if you hear from anyone and um, I look forward to talking to you soon,
1: my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much, Patty. Hugs to you. Uh, Hugs to you. Thanks so much to you. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye.
0: I told you that was going to be a great listen and a heavy listen, right? It's, it's, it's hard to hear, um, because, Shelly is you know such a likable wonderful warm person and to just know um the challenges and the things that she's endured um it's it, it's heavy as her friend it, it's hard to hear um the struggles in in being an African American mother to two boys and and what that means in um to her and uh, it, it's a lot it but it's um it's important to understand and, and listen, um, to these perspectives and these, these realities. So thank you for listening. Um, and please, if you would like to reach out to Shelly, she does give her information, sapphiredimensions.com. She's written a couple of books that she talks about through the podcast and is currently working on a third. Um, so I, I highly encourage anyone that would really like to open the hearts and minds of their team um, to reach out to Shelly to get involved in one of the one to one women programs. It's it's, um, something that was very unique. There's nothing else like it out there. And it was incredibly rewarding. So thanks so much for um, checking out the podcast and for joining me uh, in my discussion with Shelly. And um, hope to see you out there soon in credit union land. Talk to you later.